The one thing that I believe would work everywhere is fighting. Because it doesn't matter what color you are, what country you come from, or what language you speak. We're all human beings and fighting's in our DNA, man. We get it and we like it. I'm Mike Morgan and welcome to this week's episode of The Woke Class. Joining us as usual, my sister from another mister, G from Woke TV. Hey, hey, Mike. What's going on? I'm back. Yes, you're back, but sounding a little bit weary, if you don't mind me saying. Um, I take it that um, your trip out, your road trip out, your massive road trip out to UFC DC is taking its toll and um, you are running on fumes right now. Oh yeah, I'm running on empty. I don't even know how I'm recording this. I am beat. I did my road trip. I drove from Brooklyn to DC and DC to Brooklyn and back in Baltimore. So I'm I'm pretty beat, but I'm I'm pumped to record and discuss what uh went on in DC. Well, you know, you know, first things first, um do you wanna grab a plate? <laughs> I got oh my god you. i forgot about those 30 and then 30 30 freaking wow. push-ups you know something i was confident that you know i wouldn't be doing those push-ups i really was and um i have to say halfway through that i was regretting my decision because you know before we actually get into it you know last episode we of course had our wager the push-up challenge that Alistair, well, you bet that Alistair Overeem would actually come with the goods. And I was confident that uh, Rosenstruck would be uh, the victor. But um, before we get into all of that, I think it's only right that we bring our man, Chisanga Malata, um, to actually set the scene so that we can talk about the highlights and talking points. The UFC returned to action this weekend for their penultimate fight night card of the year, which took place in Washington, D.C. Now, as you're all aware of, the fight night card was headlined by a heavyweight showdown between the inform Yarzinho, Rosenstrike, and decorated heavyweight contender Alistair Overeem. Now, as I'm sure you've seen from all the pictures on social media, Alistair Overeem suffered one of the most horrendous cuts that I've seen in well, that I've seen in the UFC, actually. The only one I could think of that is on par with it is potentially the cut Vitor Belfort inflicted on Marvin Eastman. And that was many, many years ago. So many years ago that I can't even remember the the number of the card that it was in which Belfort landed that flying knee that left Eastman's skull exposed for the world to see. Now, I was very impressed by what I saw of Overeem. And obviously the judges were as well because they had him up on the scorecards right until the point where... Rosenstrike landed that haymaker from or haymaker slash over the overhand right that landed flush in Overeem's lip and burst it to to high hell and secured him a fourth consecutive stoppage victory. Now Rosenstrike has set his sights on fighting Francis Ngannou. I think that fight is a bit too much for him at this moment in time, given the fact that he's not had that much time in the octagon. But saying so, it's a fight that I'd happily watch and I think one that wouldn't go the distance. Although we did say that about uh, Ngannou's fight with uh, Derek Lewis and that ended up being a snooze fest. But I'd stake my whole year's wages on that not being the case. The co-main event of the evening, Team Alpha Male Cynthia Calvillo took on Marina Rodriguez in a straw weight bout, which actually ended up being scored a majority draw. Upon first viewing, I thought that Rodriguez had been denied a clear victory but after watching the fight the second time this morning i think that calvillo did enough in the third 
to warrant a 10-8 round and negate the two rounds that Rodriguez had won earlier and thus have the fight score to draw. Highlight of UFC DC was undoubtedly the stunning submission victory that Bryce Mitchell picked up against Matt Sales. Now, if you haven't seen this, I urge you, I urge you, I implore you to go and watch all the GIFs, all the videos that are floating around now, which I'm shocked that you haven't seen. But Bryce Mitchell pulled off only the second Twister submission in UFC history. This, the Twister obviously was created by 10th Planet Guru Eddie Bravo for those of you who are unaware. And it was first pulled off by Chang Sung Jung, the Korean zombie. It was a truly scintillating finish and just an expert display of Brazilian jiu-jitsu and a great way for Thug Nasty. Did I say that correctly? Yes, I think I think so. That's what, that's what his name is, Thug Nasty, to finish off 2019. In other UFC news this week, the first matchup for UFC London on March 21st was officially announced. Well, not officially announced, but... Uh, it was good as announced because the news was reported by fighters only Jim Edwards that Molly McCann will be taking on former featherweight and former bantamweight contender Ashley Evan Smith at the O2 Arena. Now, this is a fight that I really like for Molly, and I think a win over Ashley Evan Smith, regardless of if it goes to the judges or if it's a, a long and labored win, will undoubtedly get her name up in the rankings and we'll see her fight a top 10 contender next year. The UFC wasn't the only mixed martial arts promotion hosting an event on Saturday night with both KSW and Brave MMA hosting cards in Poland and in South Africa respectively. KSW's 52nd card saw UFC veteran Scott Askham pick up arguably the biggest victory of his career which has come since he was released from the promotion by beating Mohamed Khalidov by a unanimous decision. Now, it was a stellar performance from Askin, who has now gone 5-0 and since being cut from the UFC and is arguably in the form of his career. If he carries on in this vein of form, I wouldn't be surprised if the promotion call him up and try getting back. And the highlight from Brave 31, which came all the way from Durban, South Africa, had to be Daniel Souza Pereira's middleweight title victory over Chad Hankhelm, who he knocked out in the second round on enemy territory to become Brave MMA's first middleweight champion. That's all from me, Chisanga Malat from the Daily Star and Daily Express. Take care and enjoy the rest of the show. You know, before we go any further, Chisanga's actually set the scene there, but... Just from your perspective, you were on the ground. Basically, you rocked up there. You were in um, the media hub, as it were. Um, what were the highlights? What were the talking points? What were the things which actually transpired behind the scenes, which um, we weren't privy to? Well, what you wasn't privy to was the wonderful food that they fed us back there. Believe it or not, <laughs> we ate pretty well. I, I think love, I sent you some photos. I love a pre-fight buffet. I have to say, and those those pictures, they went down a treat. I have to say, I'm a, a bit partial to UFC cuisine and uh, pre-fight cuisine um, as, as a whole. And it's so funny because the last uh, media scrum that I worked, they just gave us vouchers. So we had to eat like the junk food that's available with the vendors. But oh, wow. this time they had like a, a nice uh, layout for us. So it was pretty cool. Then later on, they fed us pizza because we're there for so long, you know, for the post-fight interviews and yada, yada, yada. But the inside scoop was, you know, we even though we're reporting on the coverage and, and, and the fighters and all the fights and whatnot, we're still fans. So we were back there in awe of Alistair's um, Overeem's performance up until Biggie Boy knocked him out in the last seconds. 
of the round. And he is a biggie and, boy, so biggie. Oh. I mean, you know, I find this a little bit distracting, but I, I you know, I feel I need to draw it to your attention too, because I'm sure you saw it. Those pants that he had on, he needed bigger pants. I mean, all I could see when he was you know, <laughs> <laughs> laying waste over him was the, his ass crack. And I was like, oh, come on. Someone tell him to pull it yeah. up between rounds. He did have he did have the plumber look going on. Jesus. You know, <laughs> last night, he did. I mean, I most certainly did notice that when, with the, especially with that knockout punch, with that reach. I was like, is that his little booty sticking out? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he could have he could have went for some bigger shorts, but I guess they were really focused on trying to knock um, Overeem out. They mm. wasn't really concerned with the shorts. But I will say this: I was watching that fight, and I thought of you because I was like, I'm not going to have to do any fucking push-ups. Mm. His Overeem's um, game plan was proficient, and it was exactly what I said in the last episode. He knew to grapple with him. Yeah. And and Overeem's not that bad of a grappler. We just don't know him as a grappler, but we forget that he's actually pretty decent at it, enough to kind of stump Rosenstruck, which is what happened. But Rosenstruck said it. It only takes a couple of seconds for him to find that chin, and he did it at the last second. Ten did you see that seconds lip? to go. I have to say, oh, yeah. that Ooh. lip gave me flashbacks of Robbie Lawler. I know, you know, um, yeah, Chisango's actually drawing his own parallels there, but that was the direct parallel. I mean, it was almost the same spot. And it reminded me, you know, and I know, you know, you shouldn't make light of, you know, people's injuries, but it was just like the Joker. Do, do you know how yeah. I got these scars? Because his face was torn up. Oh, yeah. I mean, the impact of that punch just goes to show you how strong this guy hits yeah. because it's like his lip exploded. And then, you know, over him, if you look closely, because we all focused on his lip. But if you look at over him, he was out on his feet. Mm. If you look, if you look at the slow motion he shot, his himself, lip burst. He? Yeah, his lip burst. And then you can see him clock out and then he hits the ground. Yeah. And it was, you know. Kudos to him. He really did try to stand up and be like, no, 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 I didn't get knocked out. I mm. won. You know what I mean? Mm. Like he, he most certainly tried to get back up. But by that time he was concussed. It was quite obvious he'd been out on the feet. And here's another thing. Dan did the right thing because that um, cut was horrific. Now, if uh, Rosenstruck had followed up or if Dan had not stopped the fight, I mean, he could have suffered even more facial damage than he already did. And what he so suffered I was horrific. Mm. Exactly. Can you imagine if Rosenstruck did not walk off like Mark Hunt and celebrate if he had just followed up with several shots yeah. and to his face or that lip? You know, you could have been looking at far more than just getting a couple more stitches. Well, and he was already concussed, you know? Yeah, there were a couple of takeaways, which I kind of like noticed. Like you say, look, he was relying mostly on his wrestling. But did you notice that he was covering up a lot of the time when those strikes were coming? I'd not seen this in terms of a game plan from Overeem. Um, for quite a while, first of all, there was a lot of covering up. Secondly, there was a lot of chest-to-chest -chest takedowns as well. And even when he was actually um, trying to implement his game plan, it seemed most of it was basically trying to being well, trying to avoid being hit. Because if you look at his last, I think it's last six or seven fights, he hasn't had a takedown in the last what six or seven fights. So, you know, this was clearly someone who respected the striking prowess of Rosenstruck, regardless of what he said in the run-up, you know, saying that, you know, Rosenstruck wasn't ready and that he wasn't worthy. And, you know, I think Rosenstruck took issue with that because in the post-fight, he was basically saying he felt a little bit disrespected and show, so he should. So much so, I, I, I loved this bit. 
um, of the action when they were asked whether they wanted to touch gloves. Rosenstruck was like, hell no. And he left. He I literally know. left Overeem hanging. He had his hand out as if, what the fuck? And he just it's could, so funny. Like he couldn't believe it. When, yeah, we couldn't believe it. Back there, every journalist went like this at the same time. Oh, <laughs> like it was, I was like, oh, wow. Like he's not here to play any games with no. you. But you know, Overeem went back to his corner and said, ta-da, I'm going to grapple with you if you think I'm going to strike with you. And you're absolutely 100% correct. Mm. He did cover up more than usual. He ate some body shots because of it, but he ate them well and he covered up. And I, I, it's what I told you last week, Mike. I feel as if Overeem learned his lesson about young prospects that have power and that are knocking people out. You just can't get hit by them. And unfortunately, this is just my own theory, but I think Alistair got knocked out because he was exhausted by the fourth, you know, he was exhausted. And I think what happened was is that he dropped his hands a little bit and yeah. wasn't as, as conscientious of, of, of keeping his hands up because Dear, due to mere exhaustion, mm. you know, and I think when you get, start to get tired like that, you get a bit complacent. And he did try to circle out and get away from the punch, but his hands was down, and Rosenstruck, um, you know, capitalized off of that. And it was just, it was such a hard strike too. It's it's just such a beauty to see in slow motion. I don't think yeah. as well people were giving Rosenstruck enough credit for his cardio because not only did he finish it in the dying seconds, it was literally ten seconds of the fifth round, but. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever grappled before, Gina. I'm not sure if you've ever done jiu-jitsu, but having somebody on your chest and basically restricting your movement, that in itself is crippling to the extent that, you know, I, I have to put my hand up to this. I have actually tapped out <laughs> rolling with somebody <laughs> because they were literally crushing the life out of me. I tapped yeah. to being crushed. So him actually surviving that and, and basically having almost a second win in or second wind in the dying embers of the fight is you know a testimony where people should actually be giving him credit just for that just for that alone actually you know having that um second win having that energy streak having that you know renewed vigor to finish the fight yeah and you know in the post fight um conference slash interview with uh Rosenstruck he said he was good to go to keep going more rounds and that he had trained for that and he was quite accustomed to that type of pace and I um I saw that watching the fight did you see a couple of those flying knees when he started yes. to get like yes. frustrated the high kicks the uh, and then flurries you know but I mean again Alistair did a wonderful job of uh, bless you Alistair oh, did you. a wonderful job of blocking them but, I mean, you got to give it to, I mean, I give it to both men, you know, like Alistair had a great game plan. He stuck to it. Mm. And then um, Rosenstruck's cardio and patience was what got him this, you know, the win. I mean, he just had to just be patient. He he didn't seem that frustrated, and he just waited. And even if it meant waiting to the last very second, he believed in himself and got it done. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And and then Alistair, you know, he held on for as long as he could, and he fought well. I don't care what anybody says. Yes, he got knocked out, mm. but he was dominating that fight, and the game plan was proficient, and he followed it to a T. Oh I liked yeah. It. What, one, one thing that was missing for me, I would have loved to have gained an insight into what his corner was telling him because it seems like, you know, almost from a um, game plan point of view, that there was something 
being worked to and worked on from round to round and I don't know whether they were adapting or I don't know whether they were actually just sticking with the same thing so it would have been a little bit more insightful to hear from Rosenstruck's corner I mean obviously we heard what Alistair's um, corner was saying and um, a lot of the time it did appear to be look you're wearing him down his cardio is fading he's fading he's fading just keep on him a a lot of that did seem to be uh, filtering through and when he had him on the ground when he had Rosenstruck on the ground you know Overeem was being told look elbows elbows just try and like bust him up a little bit right and to posture I believe because it's like he was controlling him but he wasn't posturing to drop those elbows and Mm. there was a point in the fight where you could tell he listened and he started to drop some bombs it was brief but he did it and you know it's always nice when a fighter is coachable even when they're a vet and whatnot and they listen to their corner i Mm. didn't notice that um back there when i was um in dc that was pretty cool to me of just a coach he's still a coachable guy you know and then like i said grappling is not his expertise so it didn't really surprise me that the you know the coach had to nudge him and say hey posture you know that he's not known for grappling but he gets it done you know Mm -hmm. no definitely definitely i you know a lot of people didn't enjoy the fight i mean at at first, I was thought it was a little bit lackluster, but I was proud of um, Alistair's performance. But the knockout was definitely the highlight of the fight, and it was it was it was fun to see. But I was also very terrified of that cut, and it did remind me of the Robbie Lawler um, cut. Which one do you think is worse, though? I think Overeem's because it seemed like uh, Robbie Lawler's was more of a clean tear, where it looked as though mm. Overeem's was busted up. You could see a lot more tissue. Like it burst. Yes. Yeah. You could see a lot more tissue and a lot more fragmentation. But you know, there was a, was a parallel there in terms of what you were saying about spectators and like the you know MMA Twitter actually chiming in as to you know the 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 the, the value of that fight and how it actually looked to them with the um, Anthony Joshua and um, Andy Ruiz fight people need to kind of like get a little bit more clued up to the fact that there are game plans at play here and there are technical ways in which people try to win and the outcomes of these doesn't always I mean okay in the overing fight doesn't always um, end in a knockout like like I said look for the Rosenstruck um, win that did end in a knockout but you know from the point of view, that fight, if you know what you're looking at, that was a technical chess game. And the fact that we are used to um, Overeem being on his feet 100% of the time, being the striker, being the aggressor, basically chasing down his man. Um, this was a very, very technical fight. Again, with parallels to the Joshua Ruiz fight. I thought, you know, just if we can just segue um, just mm-hmm. quickly across and then back again to UFC DC. But if we quickly go back to what was actually happening with the action with Anthony Joshua and Ruiz, I thought mm-hmm. he executed, and that is um, Joshua, he executed the game plan beautifully. A lot of jabs, a lot of feints, basically patience, maturity. And I think technical um, ability in terms of boxing his opponent as opposed to trying knocking him out and being respectful of what Ruiz brought to the table. I personally thought it was a masterclass in boxing and people who were looking at that and frowning and basically you know wafting their hands underneath their noses saying it stunk. Nah you don't really know what you're watching. You're either somebody who's coming to this late in the game or you aren't respectful of the fact that you know boxing isn't just about you know um sparking a brother or sister out it's more than yeah, that no, you're right. it's a chess yeah. game 
I did notice that on my end, I unfortunately I missed the fight, but I did have MMA Twitter and also some boxing people that I follow. Yeah, you know, keep me, you know, up to date, you know, play by play, and tell me how, what the fight was. And it was mm. interesting to see various opinions. And I did see someone complain that oh, Dante Wilder would you know starch him, and he comes to fight and entertain us, and and then you have other people that are like you that are like that was a masterclass yeah. performance, and what an improvement from the last fight. Mm. And Mike, what did you think of Ruiz saying he didn't really train and? I mean, I couldn't believe that he gets a second shot. And then at the conference, he's like, I just, I'm overweight and I didn't really train. And I'm like, I think that's kind of nuts. Like, I think does the fame go to his head or? I think that's Me disrespectful. Too. It came off really as though there was an element of sour grapes there. He didn't actually respect the fact that, as I mentioned, look, Joshua boxed him. Joshua changed up his game plan and beat him in a technical fight. Now, him putting it down to um, his preparation, I'm not buying that for a start because are you telling me that you went in this and you didn't actually um, try and execute a game plan when throughout the fight you were trying to land bombs and trying to land them quite heavily? Plus, if you're going to come into the fight heavier... Now, for me, I, I'm thinking there mm -hmm. must be something in that, in that you felt that you had the power in the last fight. So you tried to up the ante and to ensure that yeah. that fight would be shorter than it was the last time round. In terms of power, you pack more power when you pack more weight, as far as I'm concerned. Now, I, you know, my, my whole issue with Ruiz was just really the disrespectful nature and the way that he was kind of like, basically saying look give me a, a third shot and it's because i didn't prepare as best as i could i just thought no nah. you don't get really yeah you don't get like a replay or like ah let me just get another shot because i didn't prepare enough or i just like to have that opportunity again it doesn't especially with boxing it doesn't really work like that and i don't really see the fans online clamoring to see you go at it again you no. kind of he kind of blew it it's not like he lost in a hard-earned battle and now we want the trilogy. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you, either you didn't put the work in or you put weight on and, it, and your plan sucked. You know what I mean? Like, so either way, you didn't really put on a performance that warrants a rematch. Exactly. And, and, and a lot of people are trying to decipher, like you, Mike, a lot of people are trying to decipher, is that an excuse or did you really not you know, train as much as you said, because I did see online that, you know, someone from his camp or somebody had said that he was kind of in the club or partying a lot and the fame got mm, to him. So mm. there's some speculation as to like, did he put on weight for power? Were you in the club? You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> Just eating Snickers. So I, I think as well, you know, I was really hopeful that he would take a leaf out of Joshua's book. When Joshua lost the first time around, um, it was almost as though, you know, He'd been humbled to the well to the extent where you know he was being truthful. Look, the better man won, and I'm going to go back to the drawing board. I'm going to assess this with my team, and we're going to come back better the next time around. That's the way, really. I think that's the the, the mark of a champion. But also, I was also quite quite um, taken by. I'm not sure if you saw in the week as well. Chris Eubank was asked about his opinion. What he was basically saying was. Uh, reading in between the lines, he felt as though Anthony Joshua hadn't actually um, had the correct schooling, as though he was rushed to the level that he is now. He was rushed to the Maybe status so, that he is yeah. now. And basically, um, he hadn't actually 
and gone to university, he'd skipped that element of schooling. So he'd gone to school, he'd gone to sixth form, and then he'd skipped university. And now, you know, he, he, he was basically um, uh, in the public size, graduated. Now, I think really looking back on that fight, I would say definitely Joshua has graduated. Graduation for me occurs when you look at your opponent, you respect them and you plan and you execute accordingly. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'd have to agree with you on that. And like I said, I can't decipher if it's an excuse, mm. but either way it's disrespectful because whether you went to the club or not and you just goofed off, that's disrespectful. You had a very important fight. The first fight made you famous and it put your name on the map because a lot of people didn't, you know, really think Ruiz could hang with him. He got it done. Yeah. And you get a second chance to kind of, you know, to kind of solidify this, to kind of make it like known who I am. Mm -hmm. And you either didn't take him serious or your game plan was just awful. So, you know, either way, his attitude afterwards to me seems a bit disrespectful. And I'm kind of surprised. He seemed a bit humble the first time around yes. when he won it. You know what I mean? Yes. So, you know, they say fame, you know, gets to you. And he did become a superstar, a sensational superstar overnight. Mm. I mean, he he uh, got that Snickers deal. Now, that's a huge, you know what I mean? Like, Massive. And he did that on his own. Yeah. So... And then he's the first Mexican-American champion, I believe, mm. and whatnot. So perhaps maybe it did go to his head, because I'm telling you, a lot of these stars, like remember Yair Rodriguez, people were shocked that he was just, they called him arrogant. They they couldn't believe what you know how he was acting. And I'm like, y'all don't understand how what a big deal he is in Mexico. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, that's why he acted crazy when his fight <laughs> was canceled. It's not just that he's arrogant. He's the shit in Mexico, <laughs> you know, so... You never really know what's going on in their lives and how famous they really are. You know what I mean? Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. You know, just before we wrap up, just to segue back to UFC DC, again, mm -hmm. just from your um, behind the scenes, in terms of the, um, well, first of all, the front of house happening, were there any other notables? Because I have to admit, I didn't actually see all of the fights and there was a lot actually happening, which you probably would have gathered um, over the weekend, we had KSW 52, which, you know, had my attention, Saladin Parnas, um, well, with a decisive win over Ivan Bushinger. And our, our very own, uh, it was a good uh, weekend for the Brits, our very own Scott Askham beating Mamed, uh, Mamed Khalidov, um, the legendary Khalidov. Um, you know, to be the legend, you have to beat the legend is what, you know, Scott went into this thinking and he executed that. Um, oh, with good. great gusto. So it was good to see that as well. But, you know, going back to UFC DC, um, of the fights that you actually observed, I mean, you were on the ground, were there any that kind of like, you know, um, stuck out to you and any which were noteworthy? Sure. Um, I've got some insider scoop, I guess, Marina Rodriguez and Cynthia Cavillo. Um, it went to a draw, Mike. If you yeah. watch the fight, it's actually pretty fun. And especially in the third round, well, put it this way, um, Marina was outclassing Cynthia somewhat in the striking. She had her in the clinch. She was just knocking her upside the head a lot. Mm. And on occasion, Cynthia would get a takedown. And in the third round, Cynthia changes it and, and just starts, you know, gets her on the ground, ground and pound. It was just a fun fight, but it did go to a draw. And Cynthia, after the fight, did mention that she might have to go up 
in weight class because she's just simply having issues with weight. Oh, wow. She says her body... Yeah, she didn't make weight. She had to give up 30% of her purse, and she was grossly overweight, I think, like, by four and a half to five pounds. Wow. Off the, <laughs> right. So, And this is not her first time, and she just mentioned that, you know, when it comes to her hormones and her menstrual cycle, mm. unfortunately, might be TMI, but she did mention it, and then she did say that her body just shuts down at a certain point, and uh-huh. she might have to consider going up. So that was pretty interesting. Of course, Marina and Cynthia thought they won the fight, which was very interesting. Mm. Um, ben Rothwell was hilarious at the post-conference, but he did kind of nail Stefan Struve in the nuts twice, but he was ready to move on from that. But I will say this. There was some controversy with Dan Mergliata again, Mike. All right. Yeah, check the blogs because, you know, he had to stop the fight a couple of times for the, for the nut shots. Mm. And... Stefan appeared to like want to give up. It was too painful. And Dan Mergliata gives him corner advice instead of being a ref and just telling him you have five minutes. What? Instead of, yes, check it out. Um, Dan Mergliata tells him, hey, you're winning. You know what I mean? Like you're winning the fight. Mm. Yada, yada, yada. You have five minutes, but like you're up two rounds. And it was the truth. But I find that to be incredibly inappropriate for a referee to kind of tell a fighter that he's up two rounds. It just made me uncomfortable. Mm. And Ben Rothwell discussed that in the post-fight conference. And he had wished that Dan had not done that and that he had been a little bit more professional. And let's not forget, let's let's also rehash a few things with Dan Mergliata. Mm. Did he not just have an inappropriate comment for MVP during true, the fight? True. Did he not drop Dan... Um, I mean, I wasn't too upset at this. I'm biased. But did he not show his disdain for Greg Hardy in a mm. fight? Did he not mysteriously deduct a point from MVP? Did he not just have to apologize to MVP? And now you're kind of cornering a fighter. Uh, something's going on with Dan, in my personal opinion. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's a couple of examples of you kind of like crossing the line. And that's something that's hot on the blogs right now. Um, with MMA Twitter and just if you go on some of the websites you'll see some folks discussing Dan Mergliata and yeah. him kind of cornering Stefan Struve so check it out when you get a chance and last but not least Aspen Ladd oh you gotta watch this fight her opponent uh, Yana was had her in the clinch and I think Aspen was kind of shocked that Yana was so strong and finally her coach tells her like listen you're behind just do me a favor go out there and beat the shit out of her and those oh, were his I saw exact that clip. words i saw that clip i think that's that? highly motivational i think it's incredible oh, did motivation you see what she did she threw like a I, I can't remember the exact combination but i think she like she did a faint a yeah she fainted yes, the faint. left and i think and she connected with, with a like right right yes right like with a right hook i know it was a faint i just can't remember what side of the body but it was a faint Perfect. and then some hook mm. Her, and then what I loved about it the most was that it happened as soon as like the round started, meaning she heard what they said. Mm. She came out and she beat the shit out of her and she won. And yeah. it was wonderful. And she was after the post fight, she was so happy and so proud of herself in this very shy, but, um, you know, happy way. And you could see that she was happy and she was unscathed. She didn't have too many injuries and she was ready to do it again. She's going to take a little time to herself, but she did come um, commend her coaches and she said, and again, another coachable fighter. She was like, I value my coaches. And when they tell me to do something, I do it. Mm. And at that moment, they told me to beat the shit out of her. So that's what I did. It was dope. Uh, that's good grounding. I mean, really and truly listening to your coaches, especially your, your, your corner. 
um, is obviously going to be integral to a win, especially if you've been dueling um, that sort of scenario. But, you know, I tell you one fighter who wasn't happy. I mean, you talk about the elation in that fight. One fighter who wasn't too happy was Liz Carmouche. Now, the thing which was baffling about this, I mean, you tell me, you know what the atmosphere must have been like when she heard the news there. I mean, you, you might have seen her walking around as you were um, doing your rounds in terms of pre- and post-fight interviews. But it's a bit of a weird scenario to have a fighter, surely, doing media for you at a UFC event and for them to be cut. You've actually cut a fighter who's actually currently doing media for you. It's, it's, it's baffling, Mike, because it makes you wonder. It makes me wonder two things, and I try to think logically about this. Mm. Are there like two different departments that hire people for promotion, and then there's another department that does the cutting, and they did not communicate? You have to or be. Or was the UFC? You know what I mean? Like, I hate to just make the UFC the boogeyman and be like, oh, they did it on purpose, like what everyone's saying online. But mm. perhaps it's just unprofessionalism and a lack of communication because someone hired her to do promotions, and then. Then somebody gave her the pink slip. So I wonder if it's two different departments that just simply didn't communicate and also don't really care. You know, so I thought it was in, it, it was distasteful. And not only that, you hired her because she's a former, you know, veteran. Yeah. Promoting in the nation's <clears throat> capital, uplifting the spirits of active duty She's perfect. Mm. Active duty military. She's yeah. perfect for that role. She, I believe she did it with Justin Gaethje and Neil Magny. And Neil Magny did come say hello to the media and gave us a little shine. And we interviewed him a bit um, at UFC DC. And he did mention that he enjoyed himself and he was promoting that with Liz. And it was just, an, I, I just, just kind of like heartbreaking, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I just don't really, I don't want to put too much speculation on the UFC. I, do I think it was a horrible decision to make? Yes, but perhaps they need to raise their professional standards because why the hell would you hire her to do some type of work for you and then give her the pink slip while she's doing the work for you? Yeah, it does sound like there was a communications Unreal. breakdown at some point yeah. um, during that weekend because that was truly baffling. Yeah, it's a lack of communication. It's two different departments. And mm. then finally, when it hit the... I bet you when it hit the blogs, they were like, oh, shit. And then, you know, they moved on, you know? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunate. But, you know, wish her the best of luck. And hopefully she can, you know, hang with another promotion. But I do think that performance that she had against Valentina is probably what <laughs> what's really put the nail in the coffin. A lot of folks were upset with that. Do you think and so? And she did demand a... Yeah, and she also was adamant about wanting a rematch. And it's like... We didn't, nobody wants to see that again. You got, you know, like she's a counter striker and you didn't even try to, you know, strike Valentina and she waited for you to come in all, you know, the whole fight. So I remember that fight was a bit, you know, lackluster, but. Yeah, but if we are going to be fair and balanced about this, she's four and two in her UFC record. So it's not as though she's on a, on a, on a horrible losing streak it's not as though you know um she's not an entertaining fighter um you know for the majority of the time so i'm a, I'm a, I'm a little like, bit baffled by that it made me think i have to say looking at that maybe there is more to that story than you know we are being perhaps. um what well, we are privy to or maybe ufc is trimming the fat because it's like how many people are want to see liz carmuch in a fight no disrespect to you liz True. but you know no disrespect to her at all and i mean that but like 
our fans clamoring to see her mm. in, in the first place, and then now after such a lackluster fight, they're really not asking to see her fight again. Yeah, so you'd have yeah. to bury her on a prelim. So why not trim the fight and try to get somebody else in there? You know, I'm not. I don't know. I'm just trying to think from their perspective, even though they're dead ass wrong. You know, I'm just <laughs> trying to be objective, but. You know, I, I like her, and I've always liked her. And then she's a good person, you know, former vet, and 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 you know, jumped on board with that promotion, and then got mm. the pink slip the same day. That's just it's unreal and totally disrespectful. Indeed. Well, yeah. Let's wrap up this episode, but we'll be back later in the week to talk all things UFC two four five, and we'll have. Chisanga Malata and Kairos with their predictions to actually go, I guess, head to head with ours. Will there be any um, press ups being uh, posted online before then? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you'll, you'll get them soon. Give me like a day or two because I am exhausted, but you will get your little video. Not tonight. Not tonight, <laughs> sir. But you will get your video, and I'm so mad. We um, we bet on 30. I'm a little bit out of shape, but it's all good. I'm going to knock them out. Man, I'm looking forward to seeing this because I know for a fact I wouldn't be able to do 30. I mean, I'm kind of <laughs> nervous myself, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if I have to take a break or whatnot, but I, I don't like doing that, so I'm going to knock. I'm going to try to bang them out, Mike. We'll nice. Nice. Well, until next time we record, make some trouble. Yes, sir. Yeah, always. See you later. All right.